Hey gang, just a heads up, there is a sexual assault described in the episode of Voyager we are reviewing today, and we do make mention of it in the episode, just in case that's a sensitive topic for you. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bad son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome. The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I've been editing video this week for oh, the first time. Oh no! In is, is, are you are you leaving the show? Did you get a real job? What the hell is happening? <laughs> I thought I would dip my toe back into video production just to see if I still mm-hmm, quote mm-hmm. unquote had it. Uh, it. This is like a. This is like a later later era Rambo film where it's like I'm out of the game I'm not coming back for you or anyone and then like a thing happens and you're forced back <laughs> into the game <laughs> this is the version of Rambo where Stallone sits down to a non-linear editing machine and like updates the software <laughs> to stuff he hasn't used mm-hmm. in like three years and everything's <laughs> different <laughs> and yeah. and the thing is, uh, his mind is no longer the perfect weapon. These rocket launches don't work like they used to. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I started my project with uh, with a good long update to the software. <laughs> Thanks, Adobe. And then I get in there, and all the furniture's moved. Man, this is like working with uh, with Premiere. Used to be the vacation house I went to all the time. I yeah. knew where all. I knew where all the fixtures were, all the switches, everything. Yeah, you need a bread knife? I know where there is one. No, I'm like, I'm cutting my bread with a fucking spoon. <laughs> and I'm on a deadline with this project. And it, it like, like the thing that remains sharp with me is the thing that irritates you the most by working with me or anyone else. Is like the producer director side of me is like finely honed, like I don't think that's ever going away, but but the actual practical sit down and make a thing using the tools of the trade. Yeah. If you're not current on that stuff. It, it changes so fast. It really changed fast. And I, I mean, I was a video professional for more than a decade yeah. and I took two years off. <laughs> now I'm a dumb. <laughs> How do you stay sharp? You still work video, right? No, I haven't. I haven't edited You're out in, of a compl- in a long time. I Shit. man, I was a, we we went to our first like everyone as, at this thing is vaccinated thing mm-hmm. uh, over mm-hmm. the weekend. We well, yeah. I'm, I'll tell this, and then we should we should tell people what you were editing. I was at a wedding, and it was a small wedding, ten people. I was one of ten. And the groom... Proportionally, that that matches up with your bachelor party, which was three. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was it was the same same deal. The host, the house that we were that we had the wedding at was the husband is a is a, a painter, a fine artist, and somehow my job came up, and I said, yeah. So like for the last five years, um, I've been like kind of a full time Star Trek podcaster, and he's like, man, you don't come back from that, do you? <laughs> Fucking a. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just like you put on that thousand yard stare yeah and i was like i was like i like my job like i'm not i'm not gonna take this as an insult but also like the fact that that is like the first thing that that guy thought of when i said that is very funny to me 
The thing that hasn't changed is how much I care. I thought when we got into this game that it would be uh, it would be chilling the most. Yeah, yeah. It would be laying back in the cut talking about Star Trek with my friends. All I did was make this like the job that I previously had with yeah. all of the seriousness and and time associated. <laughs> So this was, you were editing the time-lapse videos for our big Destroy the Falcon 2 Destroyer the Coliseum live stream, which as of this recording is just a couple days away. Yeah. Um, It's coming up for us. It's already happened for uh, y'all. Yeah. I think what what we'll wind up doing is recording that and having the video live on our YouTube page so that people can watch it for posterior. That's a good idea. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) we got a lot of moving parts you're doing all the all the video editing i'm doing all the like construction i've I've been hanging curtains and building pedestals for the lego kits to sit on Mm -hmm, and um mm -hmm. you know like there's something very different about building something from scratch uh versus like modifying something that exists and i think a lot of my handy skills around the house are much more oriented to that second category yeah i was like i need to make like three-dimensional rectangular objects and i was like how the fuck do you even do that like i think if a carpenter saw the way i built these uh, pedestals they would laugh their ass off at me (laughs) has this old house helped at all no because they're never like building a box you know like that's my point exactly and, you know, I think that uh, if I'd, like, recently built a treehouse with my dad, my skills might have been a little sharper for this. But much like you sitting down to an, a video editing software package, I was just like, I have no idea how the fuck to do this. There's no going back. That's yeah. what I learned this week. Yeah. I thought I could go back. I should probably take down my website. <laughs> like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing that work anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we do this now, so. <laughs> yeah, we really do. And uh, and I'm happy to do it. But I think the tension in the system was hanging on to both sides. I'm ready to I'm ready to let go, I think. That's great. That's where that's, my head's at. That's very healthy. I mean, I, like, chill in the gonna most. I'm going to go back is... to video, Ben. I'm going to, this is it. Oh, I'm not I, I see. You're, pod- <laughs> you're getting rid of this side. <laughs> side. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, what this show has taught me is that a a huge amount of my work stress is stress that i'm bringing to the table rather than same than stuff that is coming at me from the work yeah i feel the same way i operate the same way well do you want to uh see if uh, we can release any stress from the crew of the starship voyager adam oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna dump it all over the top of this episode ben it's the (laughs) season one finale can you believe it 15 episodes done it's, it's it's amazing to me that we're here but here we are yeah so much to gain from watching the first season of star trek voyager it's been a learning curve Also the title of the show. Rebirth course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) We get another Mrs. Davenport on the holodeck cold open here. And yeah, this is, is this going to be like the uh, McBain thing and <laughs> the symptoms where they you can cut it together to tell the whole story out of like 30 episodes? How do you sleep at night? On top of a pile of money with many beautiful ladies. Yeah, eventually Captain Janeway is going to dabble in stand-up comedy. 
<laughs> I would love that. That'd be really cool. Did you ever notice how men always leave the toilet seat up? It's unclear what she's about with her free time, though. I still, I still maintain, I think, a couple of data points equal a trend that yeah. she's selecting this Mrs. Davenport thing to make herself uncomfortable. She's putting herself in the boob kicking machine and and like <laughs> and subjecting herself to these asshole kids because like no one's going to be an asshole to her on the ship. Oh my god, fuck these little brats. Yeah. These kids I hate. Great casting. Like the kids do great kid work here as being yeah. the sort of brats you want to throw out a window. I but feel like I've seen Lord. the the boy before. Is he yeah. Are these kids just recycled kids from the Nexus? Were these, oh, that's a good call. Were these Picard's children in there? Yes. Holy shit. Wow. Thomas Picard and Henry Burley are the same actor. I fucking knew it. <laughs> How did, did you look? Did you just trick me by saying no, that? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know it until uh, until you confirmed it. That's great. Papa, help me build my castle. Lindsay Hahn plays Beatrice Burley. Uh, she is in a second season episode of Star Trek Voyager. So we'll see her again. Wow. But she is not the one who says, thank you for the dolly, (laughs) papa. These are my children. Yeah. These kids, they want their rank in the peerage to be observed at all times. They think that Janeway's an idiot for not being fluent in spoken Latin the little girl starts talking about giving like a she drew a couple of ninja turtles on a piece of paper and gave it to their mom and little lord burley is like shut up sis don't tell her about that and i'm like is this really gonna start to turn out to be like a ghost story or something well if mrs davenport's job is sort of like taking care of the house and the kids she's gonna want to know if the mom is dead or not so she knows if she has to make another bed or not (laughs) yeah Right. Like, it's it's a work thing. If she's cooking dinner for the whole gang, she's going to need one for Lord Burley, the son, the daughter, mm-hmm. herself. Yeah. Is there a fifth person that will need to have a full meal? Yeah. Beatrice, having just joined the Dead Moms Club, is having trouble coping with this situation. But she gets so upset, and her brother gets so upset at her, that she just sort of poofs. Yeah. And then he poofs. They vanish. And it was a very, like, peaked emotional moment in the Mm -hmm. story. And I really loved the way Kate Mulgrew played the, like, my game just crashed. And it was, like, an important moment in the game kind of a vibe. Like, she's telling the computer to bring the characters back. And there is a little desperation in that. Like, this was just starting to get good. The kids were really trying to stick it to me. Yeah, and that's all you get, basically, from this scene. She asks the computer what happens. The computer says there's a, there's a power failure. She radios up to the bridge, and Takoche is like, uh, yeah, we're sending Tuvok to check it out because he's our security person and our chief engineer. <laughs> yeah, it is. The fact that there's a little rattle in the engine is suspicious and not just like a something yeah. we need to take the ship into the shop for. Yeah. So Tuvok is on it, and in he a is. corridor he finds uh, an, an open panel. Like one of the fun parts about this ship is that you, when you take a panel off of it, you can just crawl right into the wall. Yeah, the and walls that's where, are hollow. 
He's about to crawl in there when uh, when somebody comes out. This is Crewman Dalby, uh, who we can tell is a Maquis by the uh, non-pip ornamentation on his collar. And you can tell by his name that he'll die in Harry Potter's arms at the end of the episode. <laughs> this guy looks like uh, a lot like Alex Karpovsky, that actor from Girls. Oh, yeah. Maybe I work nights. Maybe I'm a creative type who doesn't abide to a nine to five schedule. You don't know. He really gives Tuvok the business here. Like he's got the he's got this like gel pack that looks like it's had all of the uh, the Windex replaced with human feces. And he's like, yeah, something was wrong with this pack. So I just went in there to check on it. And Tuvok was like, you were not like dispatched to work on this corridor. Like what's going on? And he's like, well, it was just like uh, I was in the area and I thought I'd help out. And Tuvok takes great umbrage with this, and Crewman Dalby is not the type to have umbrage taken with a, an act that he did in good faith. I was just trying to do my job, and every minute of every day I regret it. I really like this performance. Armand Schultz does that aggro version of just trying to help energy. Yeah. That is so yeah. uniquely threatening in and of itself. God, it's chilling. Like, it's interesting casting because he's not like a tough looking man. Like, he's not a guy that you would yeah. cast to be like a scary dude that you don't want to meet in a back alley. He looks like a guy that works in your office that you're thinking is maybe in IT or something. I'm not really sure. I've never talked to him. You wouldn't think Michael Douglas could do falling down, but he did it, right? <laughs> and so, like, Dolby has got those falling down vibes. Like, yeah. If he were to snap, yeah, this, you could see that he's capable. And that's the the energy here, right? Is like fuck around and find out, Tuvok. Yeah. I don't play that <laughs> shit. I I fixed this fucking gel pack, and now I'm gonna walk away. And if you have something to say about it, say it to my fucking fists. I tape two phone books to my traps. <laughs> if you even try anything with my neck. <laughs> I liked seeing the the gel pack in this episode. Yeah, they talked a little bit about the gel packs and the bioneural circuitry in the pilot episode of this show, but it's not been gone into much in much detail. And we get a lot more of the practical meaning of these gel mm -hmm. packs in this episode in a cool way. We come back from the opening credits in a McLaughlin group Issue one. where they are discussing that very thing. The limited resource that are the gel packs. There's coffee in those gel packs. There aren't that many left on board. Uh, I can't remember how many they said, and I'm not going to look it up at them, but <laughs> it's not a lot. And they don't get to replicate them. Like They're like the photon torpedoes. There, there's, a, there's a counter and they, it's counting down. I was just going to draw that comparison. Like maybe when they need a torpedo, they just shoot one of these gel packs out <laughs> from time to time. Maybe they're yeah. interoperable. Hmm. That'd be nice. Or or are they like the paintballs of the ship to ship combat world? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You like want to do a war game. You want to shoot these gel packs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is paying off the promise of something we learned in the very first episode. We learn about the Voyager that it runs off of these gel packs. It's a brand new technology. It's great. It's super efficient. Things work yep. faster and better. But when you wing the ship off to another quadrant, you're too far away from your mechanic to do anything about problems like they're having. So they're right. having to try to figure this out as they go. 
And one of the plans proposed is like, uh, maybe we go back to an isolinear chip way of doing ship. What would be the, the problem with that? A chip way to ship. That What a great idea. Chicote is like, yeah, we could like run the ship on motor oil or something. <laughs> I had this conversation with my parents the other day because they were thinking about getting a new car and they test drove an electric one but mm-hmm. then they were like but what if there's an earthquake what what <laughs> would we do if there were an earthquake and we it's couldn't a, charge it and i was like great question i don't know if there was an earthquake and you couldn't get gas you would kind of have the same problem right and they were like yeah well i just don't know it doesn't seem safe what would happen if i got a flat tire i just don't even know <laughs> what if i left leftovers from a seafood restaurant in an electric car band. What yeah, would happen what if at we that went, point? What if we went to the local alternative rock station's uh, summer festival and left a bunch of stinky food in the trunk? Yeah. What's an electric motor going to do for us in that kind of scenario? Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those meetings where there's a lot on the agenda. It's not just these gel packs. It's also the personnel problem, a.k.a. Dolby. Yeah. So the... Discussion is basically like there are a bunch of Maquis on board that never really got the benefit of uh, the Starfleet Academy way. Once they run out, that's it. We can't replicate new ones. They don't operate by the same playbook as the Starfleets. And there's some friction that's just developing because an assumption will be made. Oh, this guy will handle this or this guy won't do that. And then the opposite happens. And all the Starfleets are like, the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I mean, any any middle school will tell you that the most effective presentation at the all school assembly is the scared straight one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get you get the kids who have been to juvie to come in and tell you what's going on. <laughs> Captain Janeway really fucked this up by thinking Tuvok would be the choice for this. It's obviously BLT should have taught this class, yeah, because she's already been through the program basically. And she, like, doesn't take shit the way Tuvok does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It should have been BLT in a in a morgue-style si- setting with mm-hmm. a a white blanket drawn over the gel pack. <laughs> and she, she pulls it back and says, this is what happens when you drive a starship drunk. <laughs> yeah. They, like, land a helicopter inside the cargo bay like kind of a lot of of money and and time went into this presentation yeah but that's what makes it memorable the scene where they they decide what to do which is basically set up a montel williams style boot camp for the bad kids from the maquis team you can tell chicote is Loving the fact that Tuvok is put in charge of it. Yeah. <laughs> because even he knows he should be teaching this class. Yeah. He he knows well, he also just knows that this job sucks. Yeah. And I wish I wish he'd been like a little smugger and then Janeway had turned to him and said, Chicote, you choose who's in that class. And he'd been like, No, damn it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. The fact that it has to come from him has gotta be annoying to him right like he kind of wants to stay in these people's good graces and now he's just gonna look like teacher's pet yeah the uh first training session in the cargo bay does not go well enterprise we meet our our four candidates we got dalby who we already know Mm -hmm. and then we got this bullion named chell who won't shut his fucking mouth and then we have a geron a quiet bajoran quiet bajoran youth i would say he looks like i don't know 
teenager maybe i don't know yeah they they say he's kind of a young kid and then we got henley the lady and they all bring their different personality types to this thing but every distinct personality hates tuvok yeah it's kind of the Maquis Breakfast Club with these characters. And Tuvok is like, he's got the bully and like doing laps around the cargo bay pretty quickly. But Lieutenant, I'm just trying- 40 laps around the cargo bay. For sassing, essentially. Mm-hmm. It is like in pretty short order that uh, Crewman Dalby has a full-blown mutiny going. Yeah. It's so not a surprise coming from him. It all comes from that first scene as a setup. You know he's got this gear in him. Yeah. And you know Tuvok has this in him, too. He just continues to eat that shit. He does, and he doesn't know what to do with it because, like, he I mean, like, the case is made like, oh, you taught at the Academy for 16 years. You love teaching young cadets how to be Starfleets, but these people don't want to be Starfleets. Everybody that goes to the Academy presumably yeah. is going there not under duress, but these right. people have no choice. Chell gives a real Chris Farley walk out of the room like he's the last <laughs> one to leave, and he just does that, like, hitched at the waist <laughs> walk that is just big, big fun as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And then he walks down the hallway to the holodeck, actually, and he says... Computer run program Chell One van down by the river. <laughs> In the mess hall, the assembled cadets. Can I propose a collective name for these cadets? Sure. The lower dorks. I'm into it. Lower dorks. Because it really does feel a lot like that I episode feel like that's in many the, ways. That should be the name of our show about lower dorks, though. <laughs> See, now it's a freebie. Now someone is going to do lower dorks and... Yeah, yeah. You know Enjoy what? That's, that's just part of our job, though. We put good out into the world. Yeah. Ideas are cheap. Execution is what's hard. Yeah. Fucking A. So the lower dorks are sitting in the commissary talking about what just happened. Kind of some mixed feelings about the scene before. And then Chakotay comes in. Yeah. And he cool teachers Chell's chair right out from under him. <laughs> I, this was amazing. Like the like Jacote's whole thing in this scene was wild to me because yeah. he's he he comes in. There's like a drink waiting for him. So presumably he like chow nowed his uh, beverage order on his way down to the mess hall. He grabs <laughs> the drink, comes in, like assumes that Chell is going to stand with his arms crossed behind him, listening in while he talks to Dalby about what went wrong in the storage bay. We're just not going to be treated like teenage cadets. You remember when George McFly, like, got it up to ask Lorraine out and he goes into the (laughs) diner and he's got that big George McFly energy and he, like, asks for the chocolate milk and it's already on its way? Yeah. This is Chakotay. He's got that George McFly energy. Everything is already set up for him. This is the most I've liked Chakotay on the entire series. He steps to Dolby and he says, like, hey, listen, if you want everything on this ship to run like a Maquis ship, we can do that, buddy. Yeah. And then punches Dolby in the face when he gets lippy about it. You little scumbag! I got your name! I got your ass! A lefty sucker punch, like, coming from kind of, like, behind his peripheral vision, so he, like, probably wouldn't even see it coming. Yeah. Fuck. Brutal. It knocks him across the floor and his fucking mouth (laughs) is bleeding. (laughs) 
This is a minor detail, but I wanted to make sure I called attention to it. The heavy breathing in this scene, I felt like was realistic to any fight. Yeah. Like a fight of any amount of time. It doesn't matter how short, like you really- It's exhausting. It, yeah. And Chakotay's exhausted from this entire scene. I thought it was yeah. a good take by him. I wondered if they were going to do anything with what Chakotay did in this scene. Like, does the captain take exception to his methods? Does he have her permission to go do this? What's the, what's I wonder the deal if, here? I wonder if there's a version of this script where Chakotay is just on Dolby's ass just the entire time. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> you at best unfuck yourself or I will unscrew your head and shut down your neck. Or the one where like the lower dorks pass the, the boot camp, but Chakotay winds up in the brig at the end because he punched a junior officer in the face in front of the whole crew. Yeah, that's another detail we didn't discuss. It's not just the lower dorks here. Like, it's afternoon snack time or whatever. Yeah, everyone in the mess hall is, like, standing around with their jaws on the floor like, holy shit, the first officer just punched, like, literally the lowest ranking member of the entire crew. They did not worry about this sort of thing with Riker on the big D. No. (laughs) (laughs) So we get Dalby Jaw to commercial, and then after the break, school's back in session. Right. Got to line them up, Ben. This is drill sergeant style, right? Line them Mm -hmm. up. We're going to do the uniform check. Yeah, they get like their textbooks passed out by a teacher. He says like pop quizzes will be happening fast and furious, and you're never going to get a warning. Now let's make sure everybody's uniform is in compliance. And the uniforms, uh, aside from Dolby's, are universally not in compliance. Yeah, Chell's got this gold chain that could get caught in a uh, copy machine. Yeah, yeah. Henley's wearing a headband that looked like it was keeping her hair out of her eyes. Like, in in a way that I don't know how that breaks uniform code, but it does. Jaren's got to lose the earring as a, as all Bajorans except for Rolaren. Now, the Federation has an extremely limited tolerance for expressions of sincerely held religious belief, as we've discussed. Jaren also needs to polish his boots. And I was thinking how great it must have been for Kira to have Odo around for that job, right? <laughs> you never need a damp rag with Odo. Yeah, yeah, he, he can do the whole job. I'm um, both spit and polish. <laughs> <laughs> I can make out with you up here while the bottom half of my body turns into a whole shoe polishing situation. I can flood both of our basements. <laughs> black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Down at engineering, Dolby is actually helping with the diagnosis of the problem with the gel packs with BLT. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of busting his chops. She doesn't she doesn't really think he's got what it takes to get up to full Starfleet level. You'll fail this training. Excuse me? BLT's like you want to be in Starfleet, Dolby? You want to potentially have your face taken off? I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen some crazy shit on these away teams. Yeah, yeah. If you want to get trusted with a dustbuster, that's the kind of shit you got to be willing to risk. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a form of BLT's reverse psychology. She's trying to get Dolby to put in an effort by doubting the amount of effort he's willing to put in. 
It's interesting because she's kind of the character that seemed like the most imbued with this kind of rebellious spirit, like much more so than any other Maquis we've gotten to know, seemed to really great at the idea of becoming a Starfleet at the mm-hmm. beginning. And now she's like so bought in that she's taunting these other Maquis to get with the program. This is what makes BLT such an interesting teacher in moments like these and why I'm curious about the lack of opportunities for her to be like that more often. Yeah. Yeah. She realizes that the problem, I mean, there's, they keep having problems with power all over the ship and she's uh, realizing that this gel pack is the first of potentially many that will start to malfunction. So she winds up taking it down to six bay where she presents it to Kess and Doc Holliday as their new patient. I'm aware of these devices. But I've never seen one. They got to figure out what's making these gel packs sick. The doc breaks a rule I know you and I haven't talked about on the show yet, but I think we can be fairly certain that a Voyager rule on the list is no bits on BLT. <laughs> because the doc does a bit on BLT here where he he shows a lot of care for this patient's needs. BLT is not there for that. No, we're not uh, observing HIPAA rules with bags of poop. To discuss the patient's condition in front of the patient would be a serious breach of professional etiquette. A real Adam or Ben's wife amount of enthusiasm for this bit (laughs) is happening in the moment. Does not go over well. Does not. Or pretty much anybody else that we try a bit on. Nobody really likes our shit. Yeah. They got to start scanning this thing. And I thought that another thing that they could have done with this episode was as more and more gel packs go out, maybe the doctor becomes less and less effective a diagnostician. Like, does it reduce his capacity if the ship's computers are starting to fail? I love that punch up because you're you're taking away the instrument used to solve the problem as the problem gets worse. That's a great way to build some tension. That would raise the pressure a ton. It would. You start taking his arms off one by one. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, it's a real Beowulf situation for the doctor in this one. Yeah. His advice is to isolate these packs, right? Yeah. He's suggesting pack social distancing and pack quarantining. Yeah. Because there's no cure at this point. This is right. like a, a time buying yeah. uh, plan that he's offering. And then, like, half the bioneural gel packs on the ship start displaying this, like, toxic, antisocial unwillingness to wear a mask or be quarantined. Like, somehow their personal freedoms are more important than the lives of all their fellow bioneural gel packs. That scene where the the bioneural gel walks into the commissary and makes a scene... Yeah. Uh, it's even worse than the scene that Chakotay made by punching someone in the face. <laughs> It gets real ugly. I have a breathing problem. It's fucked up. Yeah. Back with the lower dorks, Tuvok is doing that boot camp thing of making them do a really hard workout together. And this is one where they will be climbing through Jeffrey's tubes all over the ship and then going on a really long run. Uh, I think he says it's deck 13. Then he's like cleared for the evening so they can just use it as a workout space. If you're wearing chain of command backpacks and going on a run, Ben, you got to move your comm badge out of the straps way, right? Oh, yeah, that's going to chafe. It's going to be really ugly in the nipple area, and I don't know why no one moved their comm badge. Tuvok has his, like, a little bit to the side of it, 
but I would think you just put move the badge to the strap, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think. But maybe the biometric advantages of wearing the com badge are are lessened if they're on the strap instead of your body. Oh, right. It's uh, it's not going to register that you're working out. Yeah, you're not going to get credit for the <laughs> It's for not going to close workout. your rings. You're going to be sweating your ass off and your com badge is going to be going, uh, hey, your uh, rings are usually a lot further along than they are today. It's so what irritating is? to be wearing one of these exercise com badges and you have to tell it when you're running. And then as soon as you stop running for even a second, it's like, are you done? Are you done? <laughs> you're done running, aren't you? Yeah. Why aren't you running anymore? You lazy piece of shit. You're not running anymore. Yeah. Yeah. If you're into production, like this is some great production strategy of, you know, they don't have a lot of sets for this. Right. So what they're doing is they're shooting things from multiple angles. They're, sh- they're shooting things and then reversing the footage in some instances. Yeah. It's great. And like running so often is a thing on Star Trek that doesn't look right because you can't tell anyone to run at full speed because there's just no room to run on a Star Trek set. Yeah. But everything is sold pretty well in this montage. And like another thing about this scene is that if you've got your bookend story surrounding this moment, you can make this scene as long or as short as you want. Yeah, this is a nice thing to have in the script from a getting your edit just right standpoint. Because yeah. uh, if you're supposed to deliver a 44-minute and 30-second episode to the network... Yeah, you, you this can, is where you're adding or cutting, for sure. Right. I also loved the expeditionary uniforms that they had yeah, for me this too. scene. Like, the, the, they are not the, the formal pajamas of a Starfleet uniform, and they, like, they had their own, like, special shoes to go with this uniform. I got one question for you. What are those? Star Trek doesn't have a good track record of making uniforms like this not super knuck heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and and like you can barely detect the knuck on these. Yeah. I, Tuvok is the only one that's really rocking it in a bad way. Yeah. But yeah, they, they figured out how to like loosen up the groin enough on everyone else that they're not just hanging knuck. Yeah. It was tasteful. That's what you want in a garment yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Another thing about these uniforms is they show a passage of time through sweat. And so yeah. you get like some wet collar, but they yeah. don't give you the wet butt that you know a form-fitting garment of a lighter color would <laughs> most definitely give you after a 10-kilometer run. Yeah. The run comes to an end and Tuvok explains to them that he's turned the gravity up 10% on this deck, which, uh, wow, that is fucking brutal, Tuvok. Pretty rugged. He's explaining, like, this is Starfleet. You might beam down to a planet that's got 10% more gravity than you're used to, and you got to be able to cope, you know? You may find yourself on a planet with chafing nipples <laughs> and a extreme gravity environment. You may find yourself on a planet that is so hot that nothing can stop the butt sweat from coming through your pants. <laughs> you must then decide, do you cover up the butt sweat? Or carry on with your mission. Yeah. And uh, Crewman Dalby's like, I don't believe in a butt sweat scenario. And Tuvok is like, you may find that you are wrong, Crewman Dalby. Yeah. No rest days for this crew. They're going to be running again tomorrow. Ouch. I've got to get that platinum, get that low, better large, 
You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. To get that Latin. Not. Are you a heist? Gold. We uh, have a little scene in the transporter room between Kim and BLT, and they're kind of looking at this. The gel packs are getting sick. 
problem from a lot of different angles. It's they've, you know, it's if it's an infectious disease, it came on board somehow, and they're like trying to look through the transporter records. And Kim is saying like, yeah, like we beam some weird shit on board for Neelix, but like nothing, nothing that would like appear to be a biological agent that would get our gel pack sick. Like they can't figure it out. BLT is like, I actually prefer us using engineering to beam unknown substances onto the ship. And we've got containers right there for that. (laughs) Chell is in the background of this and he's got the Star Trek equivalent of the clean the bathroom with a toothbrush job. I want that head so sanitary and squared away that the Virgin Mary herself would be proud to go in there and take a dump. He's degassing the transporter pads with some little gadget, and it's a job that Kim and BLT think is ridiculous to do with that little gadget. Why don't you use the magneton scanner? You'd be done in five minutes. What is your understanding of the of either the passage of time or the shift rotation of this crew at this point, because they just ran the 10 K and now right. Chell is on his hands and knees on a 26 hour shift with the toothbrush. And then he's going to run again that night. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they've, maybe they've run a few times now. Maybe this is like a week later. I don't know. Look, HR is never there for the employee. It's there to protect the company. We know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But I think Chell's got to take this up with someone. I don't think this is right. <laughs> he just said, like, Kim, you're a really nice guy. Do you think you can ask around and see if anybody can, like, have something done about this? Because this is fucking brutal. Yeah. Yeah, but instead, Kim, like, piles on. Yeah. With his own yeah. smart remark. Oh, you missed a spot. That was nice, Kim. Come on. That's the thing about uh, the bullied they often become the bullies themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what the the lower dorks would learn a lot from is like a battlefield simulation. Can we see the battle bridge in Torpedo Bay? Oh, yes. This is the part that you knew we were going to get to. This is the part of every cadet training episode of Star Trek that, that I look forward to. It's the Kobayashi Maru simulation. Right. I feel like in TNG, this would have happened on the battle bridge, but mm-hmm. instead they've just made a holodeck simulation of the main bridge of the Voyager, which I guess the, the Voyager, you don't call it the main bridge on the Voyager because it's the only one, right? It, this is not a ship that you can take the saucer off of? I don't think you can. Huh. I, you can't desaucer it, so why would it have a battle bridge? Would you rather... Have a ship that's full of biomimetic gel or have a ship that can separate the saucer? I haven't really been persuaded of the upside of the of the gel, so... Yeah, me neither. It seems like a real problem. It, yeah, it seems, seems bad, actually. Hey, I'm all for progress and clean energy, but, uh, hey, <laughs> let's take it easy a second, okay? Let's yeah. really think so, this through. So you're on my parents' side on this. <laughs> Good old reliable gasoline. What problems has that ever caused? Look, if I just happen to leave my leftovers in the trunk of this intrepid class ship, (laughs) it's going to be a real problem. Yeah. Yeah, this is a a pretty slight tweak on the Kobayashi Maru scenario. It's a Ferengi ship that has a distress signal, which... Puts them on a slightly more cautious footing because the Ferengi will sometimes play tricks on people and lure them in with uh, right. 
uh, you know, not actually in distress ships. And instead of uh, Klingons that decloak, it's it's Roms that decloak. And Crewman Dalby is the captain by proxy here, and his instinct is always fight. Anytime he is in a jam, he is throw haymakers and try and beat up the other party. Like, And we've seen that time and time again with his interactions with Tuvok and Chakotay. Like, he does not freeze, he does not flee. He fights every single time, and they lose the Kobayashi Maru because he tries to just throw everything the ship has at these Romulan warbirds. And, like, one Romulan warbird is a tough fight for the D. It's Mm -hmm. Two Romulan warbirds is going to kick the shit out of the fucking Voyager. Your first command together was less than successful. You are all dead. I think that choice of the Ferengi as the ship needing to be rescued is a really interesting one because right up front you get a sense for Dalby's character like it would be one thing if it were the Kobayashi Maru and it's a transport ship full of innocents right but there's a choice to be made with Dalby here and he could choose to tell him to fuck off Mm -hmm. but he doesn't and that front loads the scene with oh Dalby Good job, Dalby. Like, maybe you are command material. And then when you see him just closing his face in the hood over and over again, (laughs) like, he's so stubborn. He's like the video game player that never hides behind a barrier. Like, they're always out in the open shooting at you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Never uses cover. Yeah. I'm bad at using the cover system in most video games. Right. I'm like that. It me. That's Dalby. Mm Mm-hmm. Back at the post-simulation news conference, Tuvok can't get anyone to admit retreat was ever on the table. Like, every single crew person here, like, they don't get it. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Yeah, run away. What the fuck are you talking about? I like that they're so unified in that, too. Like, it isn't that Dalby is the outlier. It's that none of them as a culture ever thought that way. Yeah, but also they seem kind of shocked to be hearing it coming from a Starfleet in a way. Yeah. Like the I mean I guess if you're the insurgent warfare mindset like the federation just seems like very unkillable, mm-hmm. you know? Like mm-hmm. you never expect to win if you're taking a Maquis ship up against a federation starship. Like right. that's just you're never going to win. So they probably don't have a lot of experience of seeing federation starships tuck tail and bug out. I like Tuvok's way of explaining this though. Like yeah. you you can't you can't win the long game if you die very first thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Tuvok is bumming out about this in the mess hall. Stuff's not going well. And uh, the morale officer sidles up to him and offers some advice. This is Neelix's big scene in the episode. And I, I think that, like, the joke of Neelix doesn't understand how much of not a comfort he is to people... <laughs> Is getting a little bit old, but uh-huh. it works. It always works when it's Tuvok, I think. It seems really rare that when I'm in a mood, someone calling me out on being in a mood helps. <laughs> you know, like the yeah. thing that the thing that gets me out in that mood is something often totally unrelated. Or right. if I like if I'm really on it, if I'm really on myself, I can breathe my way out of something if I'm thinking that way. But yeah. like someone else just going, hey, bud, you're like, you're like moody pig pen right now. Yeah, you seem really bummed out. What gives? Yeah, that doesn't work. 
The funniest part of this scene to me was Neelix throwing a couple of scoops of obviously Reese's potato salad <laughs> into a wok full of fried rice. Like, it must be such a pleasure to be a food stylist on this show. Just like, yeah, putting those combinations together. Yeah. This is where they kind of like realize what the culprit is for the mm-hmm. gel packs. Neelix's fucking nasty ass food is killing the ship is basically <laughs> the upshot. <laughs> Everyone's actually rooting for that to be the case. So yeah. that there can be some changes in the commissary. Right, right. <laughs> so we can like we can space him and yeah. like get back to normal food. Cool. I think it's interesting. Like Tuvok needed Neelix to help him come to the realization that the reason the Makewees aren't responding to his instructions is they didn't sign up for this shit. <laughs> yeah. And then like his mind is clear enough to see what is causing the problem. But um, yeah, the, Neelix made some cheese and uh, cutting the cheese has been, uh, you know, vent, the vents near where he's cutting the cheese have been uh, getting those bacterial spores and then that's going all over the ship. Now everybody knows the HVAC system of a stash ship is the <laughs> respiratory system for the entire crew. We're putting a HEPA filter here in the intake to limit the number of spores particles and volatile organic compounds that can affect not only the gel packs on the ship but also the breathing apparatuses of the various aliens that crew the starship now your typical homeowner will require a hood vent of a certain size proportionate to the kitchen but in a more commercial space like that of the voyager you're not going to want a residential system like we have here <laughs> I don't understand how this passed inspection. This is completely out of line. Our course is locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. After the break, it feels like the crew has swarmed the kitchen. Yeah. After this contamination. And Neelix is maybe as bummed as we've seen him since he had both lungs removed. He feels like it's his fault, and it is, even though everybody keeps telling him it's not his fault. Yeah. I'd say just own it, Neelix. Just be like, wow, I really fucked up. It's the cheese's fault, Neelix. I thought it was amazing that they're, like, isolating the cheese in this Ghostbusters (laughs) containment unit, and he's still fucking cooking. Like, he's in the corner, and they're, like, holding a tricorder up to what he says is Laurelian pudding, which I can only imagine is pudding made from the heads of dead Klingon babies. Yeah, I mean, step one is shut it down, right? Shut it down. Like, isn't that a... Like, there's that moment in every episode of Bar Rescue where, like, the rat yeah. falls out of the of the ceiling and, like, we're not doing the test night anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't need to see anything else about how this business operates. John Taffer tumbles out of his fucking Escalade and walks into the, into the kitchen and starts screaming at the cook who's making, like, $8 an hour. Clean up kitchen and then we can start to train yeah the shut it down did not happen but they're like much further along toward understanding what's going on with the bioneural circuitry but is tuvok very far along and figuring out what makes the lower dorks tick yeah he'll uh, he'll have to take dolby to the pool hall simulation in the holodeck and play a little of everybody's favorite game with Dolby and see where his head is at. See if maybe they could get to know each other a little bit better and thereby work together a little bit better. Yeah, I didn't think Tuvok's 
choice of sex program of Tom <laughs> Paris sex program was maybe the way to build <laughs> some camaraderie with Dolby. But like once they get down to business with uh, with one of the old French hookers, <laughs> I mean, I think they're better friends for it. Yeah. They yeah. work as a team. They, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's some troubleshooting involved yeah. for sure. Like a lot of clasps and buttons. I didn't know that they had an Eiffel Tower in Marseille, but <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> yeah. I thought we had seen all we were going to see out of Dalby at this point yeah. in the episode. I was like, well, this is not going to end well. I mean, it's nice to see Tuvok trying, but Dalby is going to resist. But the way Dalby resists here really dropped my jaw. This shocked me. I think that you have to like warn your audience when somebody is going to drop something like this because Dalby is traumatized as hell from his experience in a planet that the Cardassians invaded. A reference is made to Cardassian officers raping and murdering his lover and he is like on a revenge quest ever since. Like he didn't join the Maquis because he like aligned with them politically. He wanted to kill Cardassians. This story was as surprising to me as MacGruber describing how strange it is that Dieter von Kunth might have it out for him. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Kunth. Dalby just is is in his own world and not reading the rest of who he's interacting with. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's a shocking scene, and, like, Tuvok is like, okay, man, like, fair enough. You have a very legitimate axe to grind. Tuvok's so cool, though. He's like, well, I got nothing that I can trade with you conversationally yeah. there. Yeah. Hey, Paris, do you have a, a bad haircut you want to tell Dalby about here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Dalby, like, takes the little chalk cube and gets his cue ready, and he bends over and he goes, I'm going to shoot! I'm going to shoot! <laughs> they whip pan over to Paris and he's just hammering away at a uh, at a gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> Dolby basically like mic drops the end of this story and walks out. Yeah. That's how you end a scene, Dolby. This is the third time that he has walked off on Tuvok with Tuvok yeah. just like shocked and not knowing what to do with it. Yeah, I just don't think he's that into you, Tuvok. Mm. So the ship is really starting to fall apart now. Uh, it's getting worse and worse. And uh, like bad enough that down in the storage bay, they get a banger dropped on the ship and Tuvok is like, okay, training over for the day and dismisses everyone and they can't leave the doors don't even work and they're stuck in uh, in the storage bay but what the doctor comes up with is this is a viral infection there was bacteria in the cheese but the bacteria had viruses living inside of it and that's where the problem that's affecting the bioneural gel packs is coming from and so what he is proposing is to give the ship a fever. Yeah. Sweat it out. Sort of like Dr. Crusher approached the Borg ship from the Mosquitoes perspective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they go around the ship with phasers and start 
blowing up gel packs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I thought that it was going to be like a uh, like raise the temperature to kill the pathogen thing, but it's like shoot gel packs to make examples of them so the right. others will will shape up. Raise the emotional temperature. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking brutal. <laughs> so there's some shit that they have to come up with to get the warp core up to 80% and then direct the warp field in at the ship. And it's one of those, it's a risky move, but we're going to have to try it. And everybody watching at home is like, okay, we'll take your word for it that it's risky. We don't really know why. (laughs) There really is a lot of Star Trek talk leading up to this moment that you're just going along with. Yeah. The tension of the scene is is they're really in a death spiral as far as the ship's systems go. Like, they can't whack these moles fast enough before things get worse and worse. And they're even losing life support at the moment where they start to implement this plan. So implement that they do, this causes some plasma to like start venting into the cargo bay where Tuvok and the lower dorks are. And he orders everyone to evacuate except for... Jordy gets down on the ground and rolls straight into the closed door, like just out of habit. (laughs) But he kind of makes it look cool, right? He like bounces off the the door, but then kind of like pivots into a uh, little bit of a b-boy stance. Yeah, always cool. Yeah. They rip a hatch off of a Jeffrey's tube and Tuvok is ordering everybody to go in and... Crewman Dalby points out that Jaron, the uh, young Bajoran crew member, is up on uh, the second floor of the cargo bay, and he's <laughs> KO'd up there. Like He's like KO'd in a very Star Trek way, which is hanging over the banister. Tuvok's a stoic Vulcan, which means he always has control over his emotions, but he looks up at Garon leaning on the rail this way, and he, like, he chuckles. He's like, I can't even <laughs> believe that, really? <laughs> That's how you yeah. fell down? They get into that needs of the many argument and it drafts off the discussion they had in the holodeck about, you know, retreat being the best option sometimes. And Tuvok is saying, like, if we all leave, we will save the most amount of people. But if one of us goes back to rescue him, that risks two people dying. And we can't just we can't have that. Right. So he mind melds Dalby before leaving, saying, remember, <laughs> and then puts on some giant gloves to go after Garen. Are you out of your Vulcan mind? This stunt was so impressive to me, Ben. The idea of a fireman carrying someone down a ladder, down a vertical ladder. Yeah. I just don't know how that's done. Like, I watched this scene a couple of times to get a feel for it, and it just seems really dangerous. Them falling off together looked seriously like either of them could have gotten very badly hurt Yeah, doing that stunt. Really great stunt work here. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't work. Like, they are KO'd on the floor, and Tuvok is, like, trying to drag Jaron to the door, but he collapses. We cut back up to the bridge. Everybody's in a heap of sweat, and the doctor radios up to the bridge and uh, there's a very funny pan because like we go down to six bay and we see the doctor and he's like everything is a-okay captain infection has cleared and the camera pans over to kess who is as sweaty as everybody on the bridge and like boy if not sweatier <laughs> jennifer lean sells how uncomfortable this is so yeah. well <laughs> Yeah. Great day at work for Robert Picardo, not having to apply the stage sweat. (laughs) 
Yeah. So they uh, they fire the systems back up. They turn everything back on. Life support is back. The lower dorks wedge open the door to the cargo bay and rescue Jaron and Tuvok, drag them out of there. And the last line in season one is, let's get you two to six bay. Did you like this episode, Ben? Objection noted. We'll do this without you. I'm on the fence about it because I don't think it's like a terrible episode overall. There's some stuff I think could have been better about it and some stuff I would have changed about it. But the thing I don't like about it is the fact that it's the last episode of the season. It doesn't feel like anything. It feels like filler. It's weird as hell, huh? Yeah. It's so weird. It doesn't challenge the the viewer to come back for next season. Like, end on something about, well, we've, like, really gotten our journey underway, and we've gotten this much further toward the Alpha Quadrant, but we've got a long way to go. Or some, you know, some... If you're not going to leave us with a cliffhanger, which I don't need, I I, I super do not need the end of the se- uh, season to be a cliffhanger, but if you're not going to do that, end with something that, like, isn't just a line at the end of a a procedural in the middle of a season. Yeah, I think the show may have thought there was a greater emphasis on Mayquee's Starfleet integration than there actually was throughout this season. Because I think only if you think that that was the B story of every episode in season one, would you think that the finale having something to do with everyone learning a valuable lesson at the end of the day, like we got in this <laughs> final scene being something that you could hang a season on. Yeah. But I think like that, I, that final scene is why I didn't really like the episode was because it was so n- neatly tied up into that bow. And and because those words were said, yeah, like... I like everything about the lesson except the lesson being described at the end. You can do this without dialogue. You can even change who does the saving to change who learns this lesson. But like right. the, the G.I. Joe ending of it is something that really clanged to me. I think it's an episode order thing also. Like this should have been within the first five episodes. Like we needed more about there being issues of integrating the two crews early in the season. And dude, what if you move the caretaker story to this episode? What if you run all the episodes in season one out, except you just skip the interaction with the caretaker hmm. until the season one finale? We might actually have figured out what brought us here to make what brought them there the mystery that gets solved at the end of the first season. And then they've destroyed their only hope of getting home. Wow. And then that is how you set up season two. That seems viable. That's a cool idea. That's a cool punch up. I feel like you could edit it that way. Like you could make a fan edit of season one mm-hmm. that that does it that way. Yeah. But we don't have time. So somebody else is going to have to do that. Ideas are cheap. It's an execution that's really hard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you know what else is uh, cheap? Adam is priority one messages. They're very affordable and we always have a bunch of them. So let's go see what's in the inbox. These friends of DeSoto had an idea for a priority one message, but then they went ahead and did it. They executed. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. Wow. Have you ever wanted 
to read a sci-fi fantasy novel by a friend of DeSoto. Yes. What this P1 presupposes is you have. Justin Monroe is not embarrassed by his debut novel Z Locked In, book one of Overworld Online on Kindle and on audiobook in early 2021. Wow. It's an action-packed adventure in a virtual MMORPG game world. A lit RPG with more danger than a holodeck with the safeties off. And Klingon double-stuffed with pop culture references. <laughs> including a visit to the bridge of the entrepreneur, no bloody ABC or D. Wow. A, lot of, uh, a lot of acronyms in this description. I think if you are into lit RPGs, uh, you will know what Justin Monroe is talking about here. You can find their book on Amazon. The book is wow. called Z Locked In. Z-E-E -E, Locked hyphen in. And that's book one in a series. Wow, congrats Justin Monroe on your, on your book. And yeah. uh, I sure hope a lot of FODs will go check it out. It sounds uh, really intense. A book sounds I, like the hardest thing to yeah. make. That's awesome. Yeah. Adam, our next priority one message is from Jen and it's to Michael. And it goes like this. Happy birthday. Given Adam and Ben's track record, this message is very late. I can't Aww. believe it's seven years since we met. Thank you for introducing me to TNG, DS9, and this podcast. Now that we are raising our own little Beverly... It's not every doctor who gets to command a starship. I couldn't ask for a better life partner to go through it all with. Love you so much. Wow, that's so sweet. When Jen said, uh, I can't believe it's been seven years since we met, right after that cutting remark about our messages <laughs> being so late, I thought for yeah. a second this message was seven years late. Oh. <laughs> We're not Jen that would have bad. had to have a lot of uh, foresight to make a message show up seven years late on this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. happy birthday, Michael. Sorry we're so late. It's our fault entirely. This final message is from your frog prince, and it's to Chicken, and the message goes like this. Happy 27th anniversary. Wow. Even though you hate Star Trek and will never in a thousand years listen to the greatest gen. What? And in parentheses it says, so I'll have to play this for you when it drops. Close parentheses. I wanted these two embarrassing idiots to let the world know I love you. And I'm grateful to have shared the last 27 years as your husband. Looking Dang. forward to the next 27 years together. Wow. Optimistic. That's going to be a long run. I love it. It's a lot of years. Congratulations, your frog prince and chicken. Big, big congratulations. The 27th wedding anniversary, of course, is the P1 anniversary. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. You're obligated to get somebody to a P1 That's on right. the 27th. Uh, well, thanks to everyone who got one of these P1s. And uh, if you are P1 curious after having heard them, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to set yours up. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. Hey, Adam. Tap in. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I can't believe I'm going to say this, Ben, but uh, my Shimoda's Chakotay. Wow. Just think of the day he had. <laughs> he had a great day. <laughs> he, uh, he went to a meeting where he wasn't delegated any tasks, really. Like, yeah. he didn't get 
that you didn't get saddled with the one that he didn't want. And that's the, that's the only task he got him. is name the four biggest assholes on the ship, which. And that sounds like a gift, really. <laughs> he makes all the funny faces in the episode and he punches a guy in the face yeah. and it's consequence free. Consequence-free face punch. Can you I believe it? Consequence-free is a major quality of a drunk Shimoda mm-hmm. situation, I think. So I'm I'm going to have to go with Chakotay there. What about you, Ben? I'm going to go with Neelix. I feel like there's a whole constellation of reasons that Neelix was my drunk Shimoda in this episode, not yeah. least of which is the cheese that pulls all the isolinear chips out of the ship. Right. But the apex reason, I think, for me is the lack of emotional intelligence he displays when he goes up to Tuvok and just like, Neelix, read the fucking room. Read the room. That's like, if you are the morale officer, reading the room is like the main thing your job entails. Yeah. (laughs) It didn't do it. Yeah. And this is not the first time this has happened with Tuvok specifically either. Yeah. It's like he... He's like a cargo cult for Guinan, you know? Like he has he has the idea of Guinaning people yeah. and he is too he he just doesn't have any of the technology to actually do it. I mean, I'm going to ask a question I don't really want the answer to, but like is that where the show is going? Like putting Tuvok and Neelix together as sort of odd couple <laughs> as an odd couple pairing that we get. No, I think on they're much more like Q and Guinan. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. They're always making claw hands at each other. Yeah, as they should. Well, I always make the claw hand when I roll the die at the Game of Buttholes. Will of the Caretaker. That's where our game board lives. It's where we figure out how we will be discussing the next episode in order. And Ben, while I head over there, why don't you tell us what the season premiere of season two of Star Trek Voyager is going to be? Season 2, Episode 1 is called The 37s. The crew explores a remote planet inhabited by humans who were abducted by aliens in 1937. That is some vintage TOS-style Star Trekking right there. I I was just thinking about the $5 carnival guitar guy. Like, (laughs) is, is that the return of him? If he's not in that episode, Adam, I hope they find some low mileage pit woofies at the very least. Unfrozen caveman earthlings back at it that's big fun yeah Uh, so that will be next week but how are we going to be watching it adam you know what square we're on it's square eight two squares ahead is kind of an unusual square it's called the caretaker square and that means if we were to land on it we'd have to roll again and uh, And it takes us to like a random square somewhere on the board right yeah so uh, and then two squares after that, Coco Nono. So I think you know which one I'm hoping for. I am definitely hoping for Coco Nono. I mean, I suppose even if we hit the caretaker, we could hit a Coco Nono. If we hit the caretaker, we could hit Mornhammered. Shit. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right, I've made the claw. You're nothing if not persistent. And I've rolled a two, which means we've landed on the caretaker, which means I get an extra <laughs> roll. Whoa. <laughs> on the 100-sided die. Man, auspicious for uh, season two, episode one. Have you gotten one of these? I, uh, this is our first time hitting it. Wow. All right, I've got, I've got the 100-sided die in my hand. Okay. Uh, 
It's really big. Like, my claw can barely contain it. <laughs> I'll give that a roll. Roll that bone. All right, Ben. Uh, we have landed on your favorite episode type. It's square <laughs> 78. And, oh, shit. And the nth degree. Wow. Holy mackerel. So it kind of went through a lot there on the game board. Yeah. Uh, not only are we on square 78, we are that much closer to a Mornhammered episode once again. We are vastly closer to the Mornhammered episode. We, we got thrown to the other side of the goddamn galaxy just now. I know, and we passed all of the other caretaker squares, so it's not like we could hit another one and go back down. We're, <laughs> we're up here. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, man. Well, right. uh... Next episode, remind me to do my homework several times, please. Oh, yeah. You know I will. And remind me of the bit, please. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll remind you that the bit is not actually to do real research. <laughs> <laughs> We're such a great team. Yeah. Uh, of course, we couldn't do it without the Friends of DeSoto, right? We sure couldn't. Everybody that uh, supported during the Max Fun Drive, we just vastly appreciate it. We're recording this before the end of the Max Fun Drive, so we don't know final numbers from where we're sitting but i'm sure it went great and uh, we know enough to know that y'all made a difference for sure yeah, you really came through and uh we we hugely appreciate it if you would uh would like to set a membership up now you still can and you, you still get gifts they're just not the max fun drive gifts but it, it really helps us so head to maximumfund.org slash join if you're in a position to do so the show is only getting better right the the more upper level game squares we hit mm-hmm. yeah you're gonna want to support this show if you're not doing yeah. it already every time we do a nth degree episode we lose like 50 <laughs> supporters so <laughs> we could really use the help right now you and i are also supported by a a cadre of official employees of the uxbridge shimoda enterprise uh, we've got bill tilly running the social medias for us uh, yeah. He's everywhere Friends of DeSoto are and like to gather places like the Discord at trunkshimoto.com. Uh, we've got Facebook groups and pages. We've got Friends of DeSoto on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Bill runs the social media accounts for Twitter and Instagram, and both of those handles are at GreatestTrek. Yeah, love what Bill does with those. You know, when we hired him, we wanted those accounts not just to be like promo for the shows but a fun account to follow either way you know and uh he's done a really great job with it it's yeah. uh, it's fun it's just fun fun hangs to follow those accounts go to gach.biz slash mail if you'd like to sign up for our mailing list we may have tour stuff to announce at some point in the not too distant future and the mailing list is the first place that uh, that kind of information goes to so if you're uh, vaccinated and interested in getting back out in the world and would like a greatest gen tour to come to your town get on that mailing list we only ever use that mailing list for tour information and a semi-occasional you up text <laughs> Yeah, there's not. It's not a. It's not an annoying list to be on. We promise. No. Yeah. We got to thank our buddy Adam Ragusia, who makes the original music for the program, uh, based on the original Picard song by Dark Materia, who was kind enough to let us use it as our theme song. Low those many years ago, Adam Ragusia, now a massively successful YouTube chef. Follow Adam Ragusia on YouTube. 
Learn to cook. I do. All right, Adam, that's it for today's app. We'll be back next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that I'm just glad isn't about people from 1947. Christ. Make it so. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.